Murdered a podcast. We're covering some of the theories and the questions that go along with the Brandon Swanson case that we covered last week. So, if you haven't already, go back and listen to Brandon Swanson Part One, or this episode may not make a whole lot of sense. Before we jump in, let me just say we have a special guest today. He may not say much, but you may hear some baby coos and calls. I'm not going to bitch about it being in the background, and you're not going to bitch about hearing it either. And you can't really bitch about it because it's sweet and newborn baby coos and calls. So, with all that being said, without further ado, let's get it. First, let's talk about the theories and what people suspect when they talk about the Brandon Swanson case. And we're just going to go over some of the theories, as far as some of the ones that are more commonly talked about. And then we'll go through and either try to, like, debunk those theories or see if they have enough weight behind them to hold up. One of the most popular theories that I found while looking into this case was that maybe it was a stranger-on-stranger murder. Now, maybe someone who kills when the opportunity arises saw Brandon either walking down the road or through some of the farm fields. Maybe they followed him and murdered him. And this would be a good theory except that being murdered by someone who's a complete stranger to you is extremely unlikely. Sorry, y'all can probably hear him sucking on a bottle. (laughs) So it's extremely unlikely. Even though we hear about these cases a lot in the media, it doesn't happen as often as you'd think. More likely than not, when someone is murdered, it's actually by someone that they know, love, and trust. It's actually extremely rare for two strangers to cross paths and for one of them to murder the other. There are, of course, the exception to the rule, like Israel Keys, but for the most part, stranger-on-stranger murders are rare. So it's a good theory, but meh, not really. Another good theory is that maybe while Brandon was walking through the woods that he was attacked by a wild animal. And I've seen a lot of... Oh, sorry, buddy. And I've seen a lot of people say that if it was a wild animal, that maybe that would explain the old shit that Brandon's parents last heard him say. That maybe Brandon was on the phone with his parents and he looked up and saw a wild coyote or a wild mountain lion. And that maybe that's when his parents heard him say, oh shit, like if I saw something like that, I'm probably going to say, oh shit too. But I don't really buy into this theory for two simple reasons. One, because if Brandon was attacked by a wild animal, I feel like his parents would have heard that since they were on the phone with him up until the old shit. And his parents are the ones who hung up the phone to try to call Brandon back. 
So I feel like they would have definitely heard something to indicate that an attack was happening. And then secondly, I don't buy this theory because even if it were a wild animal attack and Brandon was killed in the woods that night by a wild animal, there would still be some kind of evidence or something to be found. There would have been an earring found or a sock or something. And there's been absolutely nothing found still. One of the most commonly asked questions that I have is why wouldn't Brandon take the most direct route back to his house after the party in Canby that night? That route would have been a straight shot, and it was also the same route that he used every day to get back and forth to his college classes. So why wouldn't he have taken that same route that night? And I believe this to be based on my previous 19-year-old self and everybody that I've ever known at the age of 19. My most educated guess would be that Brandon probably took that way home to avoid major highways where police are less likely to be and where traffic stops are less likely to happen. So I feel like that pretty much answers that question for the most part, or it's at least the most likely reason why he would take a different route home than what he would normally take. But trying to avoid checkpoints or traffic stops still doesn't explain why Brandon thought he was 20 miles away from where his car was actually found. And this leads a lot of people to assume that Brandon was either more drunk than people thought or that he was high on some kind of illegal drug. And I've gone down the rabbit hole of Reddit on this case a few times, but even before I did this case, and I saw a lot of people say that maybe Brandon had gotten a hold of some bad meth. And I don't know who out there needs to hear this, but all meth is bad meth. There is no good meth. That doesn't exist. But I also feel like if Brandon's friends knew that he had taken something or smoked something or snorted something, that eventually, over time, that his friends would have told the police and or his parents. Maybe they wouldn't have said something right away, but after the first week, maybe after the first few days, with nothing being found, they would have been like, okay, so we may get in trouble, but we still have a missing friend. We should probably tell them that we did X, Y, and Z. Now, that theory kind of segues me right into my next point, which is the theory of Brandon either being super drunk or super high. And this theory is kind of squashed for me. Just because he was on the phone with his parents for almost an entire hour, and his parents know him better than anyone else on the planet. And even after all the time that they were on the phone... Brandon's parents are completely adamant that Brandon did not sound impaired in any way, shape, or form. And like I said, Brandon's parents would know his normal speaking voice, his mannerisms, his tones, and verbiage better than anyone else. So if they don't think he was impaired at all, that kind of makes me think that he probably wasn't impaired. The police in this case have also said publicly that they also don't think that Brandon was impaired that night. So, of course, in any missing person's case, there's always going to be a handful of people that jump straight to the alien theory. <laughs> but in this case, there were no UFO sightings. There were no crop circles anywhere close by. Despite the new information that our government has finally decided to release to the general public... I really don't think aliens were responsible in this case. Maybe other cases, but I don't think it's this one. So on to the next theory. Oh, I scared him. <laughs> Y'all, it's been a really long time since I've had a newborn. And 
I did not even want to record this episode. I wanted to nap with this baby all day long. Okay, on to the next theory. So this next one is another theory that you'll hear in almost every case about someone who kind of just disappears. And that's the theory that maybe Brandon chose to leave his life behind and he left that night to start a new life somewhere else under a different name and a different identity. And this theory doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Just because if Brandon wanted to disappear and leave his life behind, he probably wouldn't have called his friends and parents for help and he probably wouldn't have been so pissed off and aggravated that they weren't finding him even after he'd given them directions to where he believed he was. So this kind of brings me to one of the two of my own biggest questions in regards to this case. If Brandon thought he was in Lind when he called his parents, and if the second party was in Canby, then why did Brandon even think he was in Lind when he called his parents? Like, did he go back to Lind for some unknown reason? Or did he just kind of assume that he knew how long it would take him to get from Canby to Lind and maybe he was just making like an educated guess. But then he was very, very, very sure that he knew exactly where he was too. So I don't know about that. And then my question is, if Brandon left the second party in Canby at around midnight, and if it should have taken him between 40 and 50 minutes to get to Lind, where he thought he was, then what happened in almost those two hours in between the time that he left the party in Canby and the time that he finally called his parents for help. Like, did Brandon possibly hit his head when the car ran off the road and veered off into the ditch? Maybe he had a concussion or a TBI. But maybe if he did hit his head, then that would explain the almost two-hour gap from leaving the party in Canby to calling his parents. And Brandon hitting his head could also possibly explain why he was so confused about where he was. It doesn't take a whole lot to get a concussion. I'm pretty sure that just means you, like, rattled your brain. Like, if you got hit hard enough in football, you could get a concussion. But we don't actually know if he hit his head or not when his car veered off into the ditch. So this is just pure speculation. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. But if Brandon did hit his head when the car veered off of the road into the ditch, and if he was groggy or confused about where he was, etc., etc., then would that also explain why Brandon's glasses were left in the car? Because Brandon wasn't someone who wore glasses to make his outfit look more stylish. Brandon absolutely needed his glasses to be able to see and drive. Now, let's talk about the old shit moment and the dogs picking up Brandon's scent in the river. Because Brandon's dad did say that he thought he heard a falling noise or some kind of rustling sound after Brandon said, oh shit. And the dogs did pick up Brandon's scent going into the river and then coming back out of the river. So this leads a lot of people to kind of assume that Brandon probably fell into the river at some point. 
Now, we don't really know if he just tripped and fell in and then got back up and kept walking, or maybe if he tripped and dropped his phone in the water and couldn't find it, or whatever. Or maybe Brandon fell into the water and hit his head on a rock, or, you know, something else hard. And if you're going with this theory that Brandon tripped and fell into the river and hit his head, then got back out of the water where the dogs indicated his scent, then that would mean that Brandon was wet in below 40 degree temperatures. So this kind of slides us right into the next theory of what could have happened to Brandon that night, that maybe Brandon died from exposure to the elements. If he did trip and fall into the river and get back out, then it's a very real possibility that hypothermia could have caused Brandon's death. And Brandon wasn't exactly dressed for freezing cold temperatures. He was wearing a polo and a sweater with blue jeans. And he damn sure wasn't dressed for cold temperatures in soaking wet clothes. So this next theory kind of ties back into Brandon falling into the river and then getting back out of the water to keep walking towards where he thought he was meeting up with his dad at. And this theory is that after Brandon fell into the river and got back out, that maybe he lost his phone in the fall, maybe his phone was in the river, and that he possibly tried to take cover under a piece of farming machinery or equipment to try to stay warm or to try to get away from the cold temperatures, especially if you believe he fell in the water and was also wet. So it's possible that maybe Brandon crawled up under a tractor or a backhoe or some other kind of huge farming machinery or equipment, and fell asleep due to exhaustion, drinks, and being soaking wet and almost freezing cold. But then this is where this theory kind of loses me. People speculate that if Brandon did climb under a piece of machinery or farm equipment, that maybe one of the farmers or a farmhand didn't realize that Brandon was underneath the equipment sleeping, and that maybe they ran him over. Now, this kind of piggybacks off of what I was just saying about Brandon being asleep under farm equipment and getting ran over. There's also another theory that's similar to that, and the next theory is that Brandon fell into the river, got back out, hyperthermia started setting in, which then made him pass out in one of the fields of these farms, and that maybe he was ran over the next morning by farm equipment that way, from where he had passed out from hypothermia. And I think we touched on this last week that one of the scent dogs that was brought in did indicate to their handler that Brandon's scent was near one of the pieces of farm equipment on one of those farms. So this theory would explain why some of the farmers have, over all these years, absolutely refused to let police search their farms. And it would also explain why cadaver dogs found the scent of human remains next to a tractor and then lost the scent. And according to law enforcement, the dogs hitting on Brandon's scent on or near a piece of farming equipment is not enough to be able to get a search warrant and kind of forcibly search the farms. And they would only be doing this for the farms that weren't already, like, allowing police to come in and search. Because 90% of farmers there in that area have just said, hey, come in, you know, look wherever you want, check whatever you want, let us know if we can help. And then there's that select few who are like, absolutely not, I don't think so, go get a warrant, bring back the cavalry. And the people that believe this theory that Brandon was somehow ran over by farm equipment, they make a lot of good points. Like, even if someone accidentally ran Brandon over with a piece of farming equipment, maybe because they didn't realize that he was there or didn't know he was there, that maybe once they realized what they'd done, that somehow they disposed of his body. Which, if this theory's true, 
then it would explain why they haven't found anything of all of Brandon's. None of his personal belongings have ever been found. And even with searches happening each and every year for Brandon, he's never been found, his car keys have never been found, his phone, his clothes, his shoes, his jewelry, none of it. Which would make a lot of sense if someone killed him by accident because he was sleeping under their tractor or whatever farm equipment, and maybe after they realized what they'd done, that Brandon had already been reported missing, and they didn't really want to have to face the consequences, so they just did away with everything that Brandon was wearing and disposed of his body. But I don't know how much I buy this theory either. I know I did look it up, and there are quite a few cases of people who have been ran over by farm equipment in the last, like, 10, 15 years. But I feel like if that's what happened, and if it was an accident, then the farmer or farmhand or whoever would have just called police when they realized what they'd done, and especially if it was an accident. I highly doubt that farmers or farmhands check under or around every piece of machinery before they crank it up and take off to start their morning at 4 or 5 a.m. I doubt it. And if Brandon was laying under one of these pieces of machinery sleeping or in a hypothermic state, there would be absolutely no way for a farmer or whoever was driving to know that. Now, another theory that you'll see brought up a lot with this case is the possibility that maybe Brandon fell into an old uncovered water well. A cistern, if you will. These wells are all throughout Minnesota, and most are visible to the naked eye, or at least like partially visible. But we also have to keep in mind that Brandon did not have his glasses on. So even if it was visible or partially visible, Brandon still may not have seen it. So the thinking here with this theory is that Brandon was walking through these farms or fields and that he walked over one of these wells that were uncovered and fell in. Now, this theory would actually explain why none of Brandon's personal belongings or his body have ever been found. And these wells are old and they're hundreds of feet deep and they were used to carry water, you know, buckets of water from the well to inside of the houses or homes years ago. And where was Brandon? He was on all these farms. All these farms were would be more likely to have more than just one water well, like your average single-family home. So this theory seems extremely possible to me. And this, these people falling into these wells have happened in very recent years, like as recent as 2021. People have been known to fall into these old wells that they didn't even know were there. And we do know for a fact that Brandon told his dad that he was walking through farms and fields and having to cross over fence lines. So again, this is plausible and not even that unlikely. Now, while we're on the topic of farmers and farmhands, let's talk about a theory that makes a whole lot of sense to me. What if Brandon was just moseying around through these farms on the phone with his dad And one of these farm owners happened to wake up or already be awake, and they see Brandon outside walking through their property at 2 or 3 in the morning. It's extremely likely that the landowner would probably assume that Brandon was out looking for trouble, especially at that hour at night. Maybe they think he's trying to steal something, or maybe they think he's like hunting illegally on their land or trying to break into their house or any other number of things that may run through a homeowner's head when they see a man walking through their property at 2 or 3 in the morning. 
So what if Brandon was shot and killed by a homeowner? Because the homeowner thought that Brandon was out there to cause problems or to harm their family or, you know, whatever. This theory seems extremely possible and also plausible, except for one thing. The landowner would still have to dispose of Brandon's body, his clothes, his shoes, his jewelry, his phone, his keys. I mean, none of that stuff's ever been found. But then again, what if it's one of these farms that police haven't been able to search yet? What if one of these landowners that has been refusing to let police search their property killed Brandon and has been getting away with it since 2008 because police can't just force their way into someone's property to search? especially with no probable cause. But then this makes me start thinking that if the landowner did somehow kill Brandon for walking through their property at that late hour, then they've had all of these years to destroy, get rid of, and hide any evidence that would ever link back to them. So the next thing I want to touch on is really about to take us off the rails, and I haven't really seen this anywhere else. This is just something that I've thought about, and it crosses my mind every time I hear this case. But as a kid, I would always see on, like, cartoons and stuff like that, that quicksand was a thing. That falling into quicksand was gonna be, like, a part of everyday life as an adult. That we would all just have to learn how to just duck and dodge quicksand, and then as I got older... I realized I've never even seen or heard anyone talk about quicksand in real life. Now, I don't believe or think that Brandon fell into quicksand, but it definitely makes me wonder. (laughs) And as far as what we talked about last week with Brandon's car doors, whether they were opened or just unlocked, because I feel like unlocked and open could mean two very different things as far as if you believe foul play was involved in this case or not. So I reached out to a friend of mine who's also a police officer, and they said that most of the time, at least from their experience, that if it's listed as an unsecured door, that just means that the door was unlocked. And that if it was listed as an ajar door, that obviously would mean that the door was opened. So something to think about, especially if you believe that foul play was involved. And it's probably a good idea for me to mention that Minnesota is the sinkhole capital of the United States, and that a town called Fountain, Minnesota, actually has more sinkholes than it does people. And Fountain, Minnesota is not too awful far from where Brandon went missing. Again, not really... Not really an option I would consider, but I guess anything's possible. Brandon's parents and his friends and family have not given up on searching for Brandon, but Brandon's mom and his sister had a conversation about when and if Brandon were ever found. Brandon's mom told his sister and her daughter that she was starting to think that they would never find Brandon in her lifetime. Brandon's sister told his mom that she was starting to think they wouldn't even find him in her lifetime either. So, I I can see why they're losing hope, but all we need is one, like, one solid clue, one good piece of evidence, and it could crack this entire case wide open. This is just a super sad case that seems to have more theories and questions than it does answers. So, if you know anything, or if you happen to be at one of these two parties that Brandon attended on the night that he went missing, 
And even if you think it's something that's not important, still reach out to the tip line and just just throw it out there at them. Maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, what did you really lose? That tip line is 1-877-996-6222. And I know that this week was way shorter of an episode than usual, but school started back Monday. I've been babysitting an infant for the first time in a very long time, and football practice every godforsaken day is kicking my ass. I wasn't able to find much time for research and taking notes this week. Next week, we'll be back to a brand new case and a deep dive. And before I sign off, don't forget that you can become a Patreon member and join the Patreon family by going to patreon.com forward slash mama murdered a podcast. You can also pick up some sweet merch by visiting the merch link in the description box of this episode. And with all that being said, I think I'm going to go nap with an infant. Let's do it again. Same time, same place, next Wednesday. See you then. That's how my mama murdered a podcast.